These are the dialogues of a peculiar character. My name is Thomas Gideon. Join me in chasing my peculiar passion for beer and brewing through conversations with the amazing and curious people who work in the beer industry. I look forward to sharing with you the fascinating stories about how and where beer is made and served, whether that is mere minutes or many hundreds of miles from my home. You're receiving this episode a week early rather than closing the season out on the 19th as planned. I wanted to put this out here a little bit sooner so it could coincide well with the ribbon cutting for the guests in this episode, the O'Learys, who you heard before a couple of weeks back when we were talking about, in particular, Brendan's experience in Annapolis. This time we have a much better reason, I think, for sitting down in the midst of the final flurry of preparations for their soft opening a couple weeks before, uh, you're hearing this now, before the ribbon cutting, we talked about the background of the build-out of the brewery, the meaning of the name, and so many other topics that are important to them, and I think give such a critical texture to the newest brewery in the county. Since this, the sixth episode is the final episode of season two, there will be a bit of a break about a month before I pick up with season three. I've already got some great guests lined up, including more new breweries opening here in the county, other established big name breweries you might recognize elsewhere in the state, and I hope to be able to include in that arc once again some folks that are involved with beer in non-obvious ways to give us a bit more texture on this product that we enjoy so much. Back at True Respite, once again to sit down on Happier Occasion with Brendan and Bailey. Welcome back, guys. Thank you. Thank Good you. Day. Welcome back to True Respite. Thank you. Remind us who you are really quickly. Uh, I'm Brendan O'Leary. I'm one of the co-founders of True Respite Brewing Company, a chemical engineer by trade, a craft beer lover by hobby, and a, a brewery manager and owner. I'm Bailey O'Leary. I am Brendan's wife and also co-founder of True Respite. I am going to be managing the taproom operations and helping with and planning any external events that we do managing that. And I'm excited to get this taproom open. As are we all. Yes. First question, what is it about beer in particular that called you to chase it? Oh, that's a very different answer for both of us, so I guess I'll go first. Um, For me, it was uh, I. I took a, a co-op from Georgia Tech in Richmond, Virginia. Obviously, Georgia Tech's in Atlanta, so when I was eight hours north, I didn't know a soul. Um, I was just in an apartment. Um, actually, I was living in a, a home with a former teammate of mine on the Georgia Tech hockey team, but he did a lot of working and traveling and had his own life, so I spent a lot of time uh, at home by myself. For the first time in a long time, I had a little extra cash, so I, I bought a home brewing kit and uh, I tried home brewing and as a chemical engineer I, I found it to be a beautiful marriage between art and science you know it was a scalable chemical process that also had a design aspect to it that was um, 
more uh, creative than a lot of the stuff I had done previously. And I think my daughter Ashlyn here agrees. Hopefully one day she feels the same. So um, for me, it was, it was the marriage of art and science, the realization that I had the skills to take this really cool project and, and, and scale it and do all this interesting stuff with it. Um, and so for me, right away, a dream became to open a craft brewery and it was a long path getting here, but that's where it started. I mean, for me, it's, it's the community. It's the social aspect of beer. It's the fact that it brings people together and it keeps people together. And for one thing, beer's delicious. And as an engineer, I also respect and love the process. And the history of beer is also incredible. It's a drink that's been around for a really long time. And, and the, it's been used in different ways throughout the ages. So the history is incredible. The taste is amazing. And the process is really cool. But it, for me, really, the reason I wanted to do this is the community. I, I wanted us to be able to build a place where people can come together, share pints, relax, and just enjoy each other's company. Oh, and I, I want to add, elaborate a little bit on the, the first time I fell in love with craft beer. And it was thanks to my husband, who was not my husband at the time. Um, we were in college. We both went to Georgia Tech together. And we were having a couple beers before one of the football games. And I happened to run into Brendan. And we weren't even dating at this point. I think he was actually dating one of my friends. So, <laughs> but he gave me a Magic Hat number 9. And I thought it was the most incredible thing in the world. Because at that point, it had only been... Bud Light. Natty Light. Bud Light, Bud Light Natty, was classy. Yeah, for, Bud Light yeah. was classy. That was a big night. But like Natty Light. And so to try the Magic Hat number nine, it was just, it was that was my entryway into this whole world of craft beer. It was incredible. I so remember, thank you, Bren. Yeah, and I remember that day because you told me that you hate a beer. You never want to drink it. It doesn't taste good. It's just not for you. You're not a beer person. And I was like, ho, 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 you just wait a minute. I think I can change your mind. But I did not know that was your first craft beer. That was my first craft beer. I thought that you had tried multiple things and just decided it wasn't for you. And I was making a last ditch attempt to save you. I didn't even know craft beer was a thing. I, I thought it stopped at Bud Light. I, I mean, I knew there were other beers, of course, but I didn't think they were any better than Bud Light. Not that Bud Light's bad. There's a time and a place for everything. It's just completely different. Oh, man. See, if you want a podcast on what it's like to start a business, this is the gold right here. <laughs> this is what it's like to start a brewery. We can talk about my home brewing experience all we want, but watching the Verizon guy pull out cones to run cable in my, in my space next door, that's starting a brewery. We're recording a podcast over here, so if you guys could try to keep your voices down when you come through, I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> From that first extract kit, from that first taste of Magic Hat. That's a long journey to sitting in your tap room that's gonna be open in two weeks. Take me through that, especially that, that first decision point that set you on the road here. I have developed a philosophy over time where it's not the people that love to win that are most successful, it's the people that hate to lose. And um, I, that, that concept was introduced to me actually by one of the um, backup linebackers for the Denver Broncos in like 2013 or 2014. I ended up sitting next to him on a plane ride and he, he was a teammate of uh, Tim Tebow's at the University of Florida. And he was telling me about Tim Tebow's drive for success and what makes him so great. And while my personal opinions on Tim Tebow, I think vary somewhat from, from his own, 
the philosophy I think is entirely correct. And every day going to work, I felt like I was losing. It was a grind. I was I was doing other things for other people that I didn't particularly care about. Um, however much money I saved the company, however need of an improvement or whatever huge fire I put out, metaphorical or otherwise, in my experience, um, it really didn't. It didn't show up in my paycheck. It didn't show up in my title. It just to me, it didn't matter. And so having fallen in love with the brewing process and having made that connection of like, I am, I have a unique set of skills here that allows me to upscale this, to do something neat with it. And, and also looking around and recognizing that craft beer moment that, that Bailey really helped encourage me to get into pub culture in Denver and, 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 and growlers and, and, and playing cards against humanity with strangers at a, at a beer garden table at station 21. Station 26. Station 26, excuse me. Um, Great brewery in, if you're ever in Stapleton, in Stapleton. Colorado. Stapleton, Colorado, yeah. So those moments all were like, okay, we got, we got to do this. Uh, I, I recognize what other people are doing well. I can learn from that. I think there are some things we can improve on. And um, it really, for me, was about taking control of my own life, my own path, and being my own boss because I hate to lose and I love to win. And to add to what Brennan said, um, for me personally, I mean, that was a long, gosh, I, you started brewing in 2008. You, it was probably two, was it 2008 or 2009 that you shared that beer with me? Around then, 2009 maybe? 2009, um, that sounds right. And then I started home brewing with him in 2011. We graduated from college in 2011, started working, um, started figuring out, you know, what our career path was going to look like. When we were in college, he talked about opening a brewery, but we never, I never took it seriously. And at that point, we were just dating. I didn't even know if we were going to end up together. I thought we would, but wasn't quite sure. Um, <laughs> there were times when we both went to <laughs> But to continue on my thought process that I just distracted myself from, it was a lot. I was a lot. Of, it was a lot of time between 2009 and 2018, and throughout that process, we went to work as engineers. We worked for big companies. Brennan worked for a small company too at one point, and we figured out what that was going to be like, what our what we were going to do for the long term if we stayed in those paths, and it felt like it was. It felt like it was. I don't want to say killing a part of me inside to do that's a, that's a terrible way to put it, but um, it felt like we were losing something, you know, like there was more to life, there was more to what we wanted, and I really wanted to do something where I could see my where I could see the benefit of what I was doing. I wanted to do something that helped people, that made people feel happy, and I'm an environmental engineer. I went into that because I wanted to save the environment. And in practice, you know, what I was doing was protecting the environment, but it's such a small piece of that. And I wanted to see something more big picture. So we came to terms with it over the years, talking about what we wanted out of our careers and what we saw for ourselves and, and how we liked what we were doing. and. And Brennan never stopped talking about opening a brewery. So that, that just was persistent. And finally, when we were living in Colorado, it had to have been about 20, it was 2014 when we decided this is what we're gonna do. And we sat down one day and wrote out on a piece of paper, each individually, what, what our strengths were, what our weaknesses were, 
what we wanted out of our career. And we numbered everything and quantified it because we're engineers and... Bailey had to calculate whether or not this was a good idea. And so this was the path we chose to doing that. And so we did this. And when we came back together and looked at what we had written, it just lined up so perfectly with opening a brewery. And I know a lot of people want to open a brewery. I think the difference is it's really hard and you have to want to work really hard. It is so much easier in so many ways to go to work for someone else and get a paycheck. I mean, Brendan and I haven't been making money for, we haven't had a salary in a long time. Last time I had a salary <laughs> was January 2016. For me, it was sep August 2016. She's still an hourly contractor doing some engineering work on the side, but hopefully that's coming to an end in the next week here. So Hint, hint, hint. It's... <laughs> it's it's been a challenge and it's there are so many times when we look at each other and go, are we persistent or are we just stupid? <laughs> <laughs> Bailey so, listened to a podcast, I think it was Invisibilia, I, it talking probably. about grit versus persistence versus um, stupidity. And it really was tough to tell at different moments which one we were. There were so many times where it was like, if this works out and we're successful, then we're persistent, we're motivated, go team. But if this fails, then people are going to look at us forever and go, what were you thinking? <laughs> Why did you do that? That's just stupid. Everything was lined up against you. And so it just it's the outcome that determines whether it's persistence or stupidity. That's what we figured. That's what we figured. But you have to want to work really hard and you have to want to sacrifice a lot. And... We, we decided we wanted to do that because this was worth it to us. The difference being, though, that sacrifice, that persistence, that outcome is yours. I think you said it so well. Georgia, Colorado, no want for a good beer scene, but you chose here. Why here? Well, that's a better question today than it was a year or two ago. We chose Maryland because... First and foremost, we wanted to be, oh man, I, that's such a complicated answer. The, there are two main reasons. One, we wanted to be near family when we had a family. And when we started planning this, when we agreed we were going to start a brewery, she wasn't even pregnant with our first yet, and we had no plans for any kids. <laughs> yeah, so It's funny. Um, when I was six weeks pregnant, we were visiting my family. We had no idea I was pregnant, but we knew we wanted to open a brewery. And we were telling everyone, like, this is what we're doing. We're opening a brewery. And we're sitting at the kitchen table with my parents and my grandmother, and they're all, oh, you guys are married. When are you going to have kids? I'm ready for grandkids. And Brennan's like, we have big plans. We're going to open a brewery. Don't get too excited about grandkids because it's going to be a while. It's not happening for five years. <laughs> That's what you said, five years. And she's pregnant at the time I'm telling them this. We found out a few days later that I was pregnant. I called my mom, and she was like, is this a joke? <laughs> like, I don't know whether to be excited or if you're just messing with me. So... And now we have a one-year-old daughter and a three-year-old son. And uh, things have obviously changed dramatically down that path. But the whole point was we wanted to be near family when we had a family. And so um, we were searching the East Coast for a great place to open a brewery within driving distance of either her parents or, or, or mine. Um, we did mention Georgia because that's where her parents live. Colorado's where we live. But like we said, we wanted to be near family. And they're flush with breweries out there right now anyway. So um, we're looking for a place that not only is gonna be driving distance to family, but also has the opportunity to grow and foster the next great brewery. And we spent a lot of time looking at 
A, competition, who's there already, what sorts of entities are established, and B, what do the laws look like? What are we able to do once we get there? Um, Maryland presented itself, and especially Montgomery County, because in 2014 they changed the laws to allow uh, self-distribution and, uh, or excuse me, bypassing, yeah, self-distribution to bypass the Montgomery County DLC for any alcohol manufactured here in the county. So um, that was a huge green light for us because this is a densely populated county. It's full of a lot of passionate, active people. It's, um, it's great proximity to D.C., an hour away from my parents. And so the light went on like this is a place it's almost like a new market. You know, denizens came in, they established themselves, they lobbied to get those laws changed. And then Seven Locks established themselves, um, I think a little over a year ago, maybe coming up on two now. I think they, so yeah, they opened in 20. But as far as production breweries, that's what we have in the county here still. And we're four years later. So this is a beer scene that's about to explode. We're on the cusp of a huge growth period. And I think we are going to be, well, I guess I would say the second brewery in a new wave of beer. Tony at Saints Row, I would argue, is the first in this new wave. Um, <clears throat> Astrolab is coming behind us. Silver Branch is coming behind us. Brawling Bear has got their operations world up. Like all of a sudden, Montgomery County's blowing up. And uh, we saw this from Colorado and said, that's the place. We want to be a part of that. And we saw this place in particular as a spot where we could be a leader. And we want to help bring the culture that we, I mean, the culture out here is incredible. The beer culture out here is incredible. But there's a more dense beer culture in Colorado. And we want to help bring that out here. The beer culture out here could use some help. It's good. People love their beer. But after this legislative session and well, that aside, it's not the time. We're not at a spot yet where everybody's stopping at their local uh, brewery on the way home from work to grab a growler to share over dinner. Whereas in Colorado, it's like on Tuesday nights, everyone met up at six o'clock at the brewery to share a pint for 30 minutes or fill a growler and then head home for dinner. The pub culture out there is entirely different. And we'd love to bring a little taste of that here. Yeah, I remember one Monday night, our our neighborhood brewery was Copper Kettle Brewing Company, who is also amazing and I highly recommend them to anyone in Denver. Um, but we it was a Monday and we went there to get a beer and they're usually open, but they were closed this particular Monday. And we stayed outside for a few minutes to talk to whoever was there. And we saw so many cars of people pull up trying to get in on a Monday night. It was, it's awesome. That's just what people do any night of the week. That has to inspire some confidence. If that's sort of the driving vision that you had in mind is transplanting some of that here, that even though we already do have uh, a fair number of breweries, not a lot, um, that there's room for more. That, that even with uh, the farm breweries up county, some of the other breweries in planning, there's still so much more room. That's still not enough to get to anywhere near what you described. No, we're, yeah. we're providing entirely different services. I mean, obviously, Waradaka and Brookville are true destinations. They're gorgeous. You, you, the horse fields out at Waradaka, you have the, a beautiful wood interior and the ambiance of being inside Brookville. Not to mention the beer is spectacular. Yeah, so there, there's a lot of great things happening out here, but it's all still so new. And we're all kind of finding our place in that whole scene. So this is a, a pub culture that is in development, but I think is totally headed in the right direction, despite what you know the House Economic Matters Committee wants to do up in Annapolis. Does that perception, that sense of transplanting that culture, does that inform the choice of the name, True Respite? 
Absolutely, 100%. For a while, we, um, we fought over what we were going to call ourselves, not internally so much as with just grappling with the concept of what are we, who are we, why are we. And um, there's a whole story we could tell about Sam Adams and Bear Republic, and we, we originally wanted to name ourselves Rebellion because, um, you know, that is a, a, a pretty strong theme in craft beer in general. We're, we're rebelling against the pale yellow lagers, but I, it's almost, at this point, I feel like the industry is sort of advanced beyond that. We're still up against them, but there's so much more knowledge and understanding of the industry that we're not the alternative anymore. We're becoming a mainstream choice, which is great. But the name Rebellion it maybe didn't capture anymore what we were trying to be. We just want to brew great beer for great people in a great place. And Rebellion, we were going to be in Virginia, and so it was that played into it as well. Right. We're, yeah, we were originally looking at Loudoun County, out where my parents live. Um, in Montgomery County, obviously, became the better choice. Uh, we also, after that, after we had our dispute with Bear Republic and, and, and Sam Adams, um, we looked at uh, Odium, which is like a, a name that means like distaste, strong distaste for something. And we we're just really upset. It was like a bitter, uh, gosh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but it, it was like an in-your-face, we don't need you, we're called Odium. Like, we're... And then we were like, that sounds like odious, and our beer's not grimy, green, or greasy, so maybe that's not the right name for our brewery. We also tried, um, we did like a survey of friends and family to see what they thought of different names, and Odium got such negative responses, and it almost like, Bren, it almost fueled your fire for the name. You were like, I don't even care what people say, we can be Odium. It was an angry time. <laughs> it was a dark, angry time. I remember one response from my cousin in particular was like, Brendan, what are you doing? This is not you. You're like the most chill person. Why are you trying to name your brewery Odium in some spiteful manner? Like, just be who you are. And then we were like, okay, what? who are we? What are we trying to be? And, and, and we want to make great beer for great people in a great place. And that's it. We want to create a respite from the grind of daily life. We want to create a spot where whatever happens outside these walls, it doesn't matter because you're here. You're with good people. You've got a good product. And... Um, from there, our, our, our brand expands into pursuing passions and hobbies, but it's really all about finding your moment of true respite, and that's why we settled on the name True Respite, because it goes to the core of who we are and why we are. So let's talk about the place. So let's talk about what's inside these four walls. What inspired sort of the aesthetic? Is there an aesthetic, a, a, a driving design that you had in mind in putting together, especially the tasting room? Yeah, so for the tasting room, the driving design that we were going for was an adult treehouse. And we wanted it to feel, because a treehouse is a place as a kid where you escape and you take ownership of it. You know, like your house is your parents' house, your room, it's kind of, it's in your parents' house. But your parents can make you clean your room and make your bed, you know, it's not your, really yours. Right. In your treehouse, you're escaping, you're getting away. That's your space. You do whatever you want, you make the rules. And yeah. we thought, <laughs> yeah, we thought that would be a, a cool kind of ambiance for a tap room that's all about escaping the rigors of daily life. And so we're limited by um, the cost of a lot of design features, but we tried to keep a lot of wood tones. Um, we have a green wall to kind of to, to simulate the canopy of a tree and 
we have a rope going up our column and a rope is such a an adventurous explorative feature and also rope ladders are common in tree houses so that's kind of where that came from all the finishes and materials that we use here to, to finish this out are things that you would put in a tree house and and i gotta tell you there's one place in particular i wish i could remember the name of it now but in guatemala there's this like hyper modern contemporary luxury home that was built into the rainforest using actual trees growing through the living room as like a centerpiece and we brought that to our interior designer and we're like we want this <laughs> i want a guatemalan tree house and we want a tree a going through the middle of the tap room. that was our <laughs> goal we really wanted to do it um, but when it came down to it to put a tree in the tap room it's obviously not going to be a live tree and you don't have branches on it. And if you do have the branches and the leaves on it, it's probably fake and it's not gonna look right. So we, we went for more of an abstraction of a treehouse than an actual treehouse from budget and logistical constraints. Right, so we've got these tree stump little coffee tables, which that's our tree in the tap room. We don't have a tree growing through the roof like we wanted, but we got some nice stumps you guys. can throw your beer on though. It makes sense when you call it out. I'm not sure walking in that I, quite would have put it together that way right certainly the the stump tables the wood tone uh, the beer garden seating but even sort of the paneling now makes sense to me like once you say it mm -hmm. it's absolutely there you can't unsee it at that point it's like the cool. you know, putting you. the walls together yeah with your dad up in the tree hammering yep. the, the, the planks to, exactly. to frame out your, your it's tree intentionally house. imperfect i went up i didn't measure anything i threw them up on the walls um freehand as if I had been building it with my dad in the backyard. It's, it's meant to feel a little imperfect, you know? The trim up at the top too, that's intentionally imperfect, right? <laughs> we can say that, yeah. <laughs> that trim was very, we put a trim all the way around the top of the space and that... That was a 3 a.m. project where we were like, let's just get this done. <laughs> right, last night I was nailing it in at three o'clock in the morning and like, the wood is splintering. It's it's not quite the right length. We're like, it's but fine, it adds character, just get it done. I dropped the level <laughs> on the ground. It's not gonna be level anymore. <laughs> is that the most challenging thing? Are there other challenges in particular with putting the tasting room together? Everything's a challenge. Even the things you think are gonna be simple turn out to be a challenge. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I felt myself saying that over and over again through <laughs> no, the process. That leads exactly into <laughs> the biggest challenge, honestly, has not been anything that we've done, but getting other people to care as much as we do. I, I did not anticipate that because for most people who walk through these doors just to build this place, they got families to go home to. They got their own business and their own problems and their own worries. For us, this is our entire livelihood. This is our lives. This is what we do. I think about it at night when I'm going to bed. I dream about it. I wake up. I come here. I do it again. And um, the difference between my mindset being in this building and the mindset of the people working here is that's been a challenge. I care much more than they do. This is a job. They just want to get home. When, when three o'clock rolls around, it's time to bust out of here. And I get that mentality because I've done it. Um, but sometimes that can make it challenging when something is critical and they can never truly comprehend or understand how important it really is to us or to our family in particular because we're so financially wound up in this place. Um, that, that has been the biggest challenge, motivating others to see things the same way that we do. And that's in everything. That's not just the tap room. That's right. been from day one with financing, with, I mean, everything. Yeah. And you've been very transparent uh, since I started following you a couple of years back. 
in telling a lot of those sorts of challenges on your blog. That <laughs> it just seems to be an unending series of hurdles. And victories too, like, again, securing this space. I have to wonder, uh, especially before like the framing went in on the, the, the tasting room, seeing it bare, uh, there's a lot of greenery out in the back, which I think plays incredibly well mm -hmm. with the theme. We love that. The windows and the trees, that was just so perfect for what we wanted. And the proximity to uh, a very important greenway here in the county, Rock Creek. Yep. That's just right outside, right? Yeah, you can take the Goody Trail right from our parking lot. It's un, it's uh, it's natural surface, so it's unpaved, but you can take that trail. It's a mile and a half to the Rock Creek Trail. That's a pet project of Bailey's. She's been working with Montgomery Parks to try and get that maintained more regularly so that we can open that up as a, a, a frequent pathway for our off-roading friends. Yeah, we really, we it's so the, the long-term Montgomery County, the Montgomery Parks plan is to pave that trail. And so they said it's probably going to be 20, 30 years before it's, I don't, I don't know if we'll it's see just, how true that is. That sounds like a whole bunch of people who don't want to fix up a path, but I don't know. It is right there. The plan in the long term is to pave it, but it's still there. And yeah. the fact that that's an avenue that uh, may not be open to other breweries that they don't have that adjacency to that greenway. So someone in the trees, especially during the warm months, the how the the creek just completely explodes with green. Yeah, and then yeah. to come into this space with the wood tones and the, the green accent wall. We are in a brewery. I'd be remiss if we didn't spend at least a little bit of time talking about the beer. Of course. But for starters, so while you're focusing more on the production side and you're focusing more on the front of the house, there's someone absent. Tell us about your brewer. Uh, Kenny has been brewing for, gosh, his career has expanded almost 25 years now. I think he's been brewing for about 20 of that. Um, he walked in on a whim into the Old Dominion Brewery way back when he was a young buck and uh, asked for a job. They stuck him on the canning line or the bottling line and he worked his way up from there. He was sweeping floors, bottling, and he just stuck around. He was reliable. He was hardworking. He, he learned a lot from the guys who were there working with him. And if you ask him about this, he continually credits the team that he was with. There were a lot of folks who came out and did great things in the D.C. area and beyond. Um, Old Dominion was kind of a jumping point for a lot of those guys. So Kenny is well-connected um, with a whole bunch of people who have been very successful, as he has himself. Um, he eventually worked his way all the way up to Brewmaster, had Old Dominion and was Brewmaster when they were purchased by ABI uh, and went through that whole process. Then he jumped over and helped start Old Ox. Um, was with Old Ox in Ashburn, Virginia. Well, when, he took a little break before that, right? Is that when he went to work for Nestle? Yeah, he might have gone from Old Dominion to Nestle. There was a point there, like four or five years, where he worked for Nestle, um, learning lean manufacturing principles and working in uh, food um, production and packaging. So he did uh, the milk products like ice cream. I'm trying to remember what else. Man, he's told me the story so many times, I should know it by heart by We now. need Kenny here. <laughs> we need him telling his story. Good reason to come back once again to sit down and talk. Yeah, yes. talk to Kenny. He's, talk to Kenny. He's the man. Um, but anyway, so yeah, he learned lean manufacturing principles at uh, Nestle. He credits that with where being where he learned how to um, run a business and make it make money sense, not just to put beer in packages. Um, then he jumped to Old Dominion. He was at Old, Old Dominion. Excuse me, Old Ox started. We Old didn't Dominion. sleep a lot last night. <laughs> we were, I, I I was up at four fifteen last night 
cleaning in here and getting ready for our inspections today. So I, I'm a little disheveled. Doing well. You're doing I'm, well. I'm so, hanging on. So there. he's at. You've, you've left Kenny at Old Ox. He's at Old Ox. Then <laughs> was was it from Old Ox to here? He went from like... Old Ox to Mustang Sally. He had a friend oh, okay. who was over there. Okay. The brewery had opened like three or four months prior, and um, they were looking to make a real splash with their beer. So they got Kenny to jump on board, and he jumped over there and. Um, he was with them for a while until finally we got him to jump over here with us and he started full-time in December when construction started. Old Dominion in particular has a solid reputation. For a lot of listeners, I'm sure, like they're going to remember viscerally the taste of their favorite Old Dominion ales. What do you think he's bringing here in terms of inspiration, philosophy? How much input do you have into that? Is it all Kenny? Are you guys collaborating to decide on the styles of beers, the flavors that you want to bring into your beers? Kenny is remarkably collaborative for a guy who knows so much. Um, he is very open to the ideas that I bring to the table. And in fact, um, we have a New England IPA that we announced recently that we're going to open with. And that was a recipe that I created. So Kenny has kind of allowed us to have our say and our input on these beers as well. Um, what does he bring from Old Dominion? I would say expertise more than anything. He lets us know when something's a bad idea, and he's not shy about that. Um, he's tactful, but not shy. And uh, uh, he, what he does do, he does extremely well. So um, it doesn't feel like a risk. When we put something in Kenny's hand, we say, hey, we want to try this interesting twist. We want to put mango in our beer. We want to smoke some stout. We want to make a New England IPA. And, you know, do some, do a circulation at 180 in our whirlpool. He's like, all right, let's figure it out. And, and he quickly throws together a pipe manifold where, you know, it just, he's, he's remarkably savvy at the brewing process and being a master of making sure that not only can we be creative, but we can um, keep quality at a premium. And one thing I've been really impressed with about Kenny is his ability to make creative choices without them being overly creative. Like what was the what was the term that you learned about in Hitmakers? Uh, most advanced yet acceptable, Maya. Yeah, yeah. Like Kenny does that without thinking too much about it. That's just right. that's just how he operates. And so when he's going to make our stout, he's like, well, let's make it a smoked stout and add, you know, this whatever percentage of smoked malt. And he's got these really really good ideas where they're very subtle, and so it's not going to be overly noticeable to the drinker but it adds so much to the beer and that has to be so critical to your long-term success being able to strike that balance to push the envelope just enough to get the drinker to be hmm i don't know what it is but there's something different there's something novel there's something a little bit better and to keep doing that to set the stage to do that again and again and again he's great at it kenny excels there and it's tough to really brag on him so much now because no one's had the opportunity to come in and try our beer. We're all just shooting, you know, from our own hip about our own beer. Um, we think it's exceptional. We've all had the chance to try it here in the building. We've shared it with a few family and friends. It's got nothing but rave reviews. If you look at our beer lineup, it's all stuff that is just a little twisted. So um, Kenny is great at brewing traditional styles, and he it's important to him to stick to that and put them out every once in a while to let people know that, like, we come from, our roots come from very um, on-point traditional brewing where, where quality is premium. We can hit our targets, but Maya, most advanced yet acceptable, just pushing that limit enough to say this is familiar but different. That's what he's great at. By the time this goes out, though, 
people will have an opportunity to come in and decide for themselves. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the fact that we're recording this a couple of weeks ahead of time, but through the magic of podcasting, <laughs> when the listeners get a first chance to hear this, um, if they're lucky, they may hear it right before, and it may encourage or validate their choice to come in for your ribbon cutting sure. on Friday. Or they may come home to hear the story of this great place where they got a chance to try your beer. So that ribbon cutting, that sort of first critical event, let's talk about that. So our ribbon cutting is on April 13th. It's going to start at 1.30 in the afternoon. We're doing... We're going to have people come at 1.30, and then the actual ceremony itself is going to start at 2. But 1.30 to 2 is going to be kind of a come, look around, um, check out what's going on. We're, we want to... We're going to have a... We're inviting a few different hobbyist groups to come and kind of share their information because that's something that's been important to us. I mean, it, it goes along with our brand. That's what we want. We want to... We want to help people find and discover and enjoy their passions and what they like to do. And we want people to do that at True Respite, but there are so many other ways to do it and our community has so much to offer. And so we want to bring members of the community here to help share information about what they do and what they have to offer. And we want to, we want to get that message out too. We're, we're welcoming ourselves not just as a brewery, but a community center. That's what it comes down to. So we'll have, we'll have those, those guys here set up tables. They're going to be inside. Um, so when people get here at 1.30, they can come in, talk to the different groups, kind of check that out, kind of look around the space. And then at 2 o'clock, weather permitting, we're going to have the ribbon cutting ceremony outside. We're going to have some really special guests coming that we're very excited to have here. Actually, by the time this goes out, our announcement will already have been made, yeah? Yeah. So we're happy to announce that Governor Hogan will be at our ribbon cutting event. Yeah, we're, we're really excited. Um, he'll be here, he's gonna talk for a little bit and then he's gonna help us cut the ribbon. Um, Comptroller Francho is gonna be here as well and we're very excited to have him. He has been a huge proponent for the craft beer industry. So many folks who helped us along the way in all levels of, of government from state on down are all going to be here to kind of break the bottle of champagne on the hole, so to speak, and send us off on our, on our journey. Yeah. It's really nice to have the support of those folks because we could not have done this without them, all of them. Across party lines, it doesn't matter. Right. We've gotten support from, from all kinds of folks. And the culmination of the last four years to get here and setting the stage for hopefully many more years to come beyond that. that I love how you put that community center, that your opening event is... Hopefully, just the first of many where people are able to come in and make those connections and, and pursue their passions. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there anything else I haven't asked you that you would like the listener to know at this point? Uh, yeah. Um, we announced on our Facebook page yesterday, I think, but we have a collaboration with Saints Row Brewing Company as part of our uh, initial um, release our initial offering and I hope that that sends the message to everybody that we are here to be a part of not just the home community but the brewing community too um, we want all of us to succeed it's Tony's a great guy Saints Row brews great beer it's a fun tap room to hang out in I cannot sing them enough praises and we're very honored and appreciative that someone with a business operating and a brand to protect is willing to go out on a limb and do something with us the new guys in town who um, maybe haven't established our reputation yet. So uh, we'd love to do a lot more of that. 
Yeah, I, I second everything Brennan just said. And we actually, we have one of Saints Row's beers here right now, Blurred Lines. Hazy double IPA. Hazy double IPA that we were going to crack. Um, I was present for the canning, and it is incredible. And uh, I haven't tried it yet. I'm extremely I, excited. I got to taste it before he tapped it. Yeah? Yeah. So yeah, it's very, very good beer. stuff. So good. Yep. The and label's we, really cool, too. Uh, he bought a whole bunch of 3D glasses through Amazon for this thing. Uh-huh. And if you put the glasses on, it actually has a 3D effect on the label. Oh, that is so cool. So when you're buying the four-packs, he puts out the 3D glasses with the uh, four-pack. I don't know that Tony's gone and announced that publicly yet, so I hope I didn't just blow his entire promotion. But this, we will, got a couple this weeks. will go out a few weeks after. Oh, right, right. Okay. At least most people okay. are like the cans are—they've come and gone by the time oh. we hear this. Well, I can just get, take it from me. They are awesome, and you're going to wish you got one. Um, and he, he commissioned some beautiful artwork for uh, that and uh, one of his other beers I saw on Instagram. Speaking of, people can find you online at our handle is True Respite everywhere: Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. TrueRespit.com, TrueRespit.beer. Untapped. Oh, yeah. TrueRespit.beer. Yeah, we haven't decided if we're going to push that one yet. It's but like, it's there. If you go to TrueRespit.beer, it takes you to us. Beer. So uh, I, I think we're going to try to do something with that too, but I just don't have enough time yet. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's <laughs> time a... Time will come. Yes. Time will come. We time want that to be a collaborative good. thing between all of Montgomery County Brewing I like that. We want to present ourselves as a group who are a community, like we've talked about. So we own that URL, and we're going to do something with it. Fantastic. Bailey, Brendan, thanks once again. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for putting up with the noises in the background, too. Absolutely. <laughs> Best kind of noises. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. In the next dialogue of a peculiar character, in what will be the first episode of Season 3, I hope to sit down with co-founders Brett and Christian of Silver Branch in downtown Silver Spring to talk about their experiences planning out their brewery and their hopes for the coming opening later this year. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions, please send them to feedback at peculiarcharacter.com. If you enjoyed the episode, please help spread the word. Tell a friend about it. Please consider supporting the show financially by visiting patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash peculiar character and become a backer. Patrons enjoy special behind-the-scenes access and bonus content. The support of my patrons is greatly appreciated. Until next time, chase what calls you. I would like to thank the Internet Archive for media hosting and bandwidth. The views expressed on this program are my own and where applicable those of my guests and in no way reflect those of my employer or anyone else. This show is produced from 100% recycled bits. Except where noted, permission to recycle those further is granted under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 United States License. That means you're free to change this show as much as you like as long as you don't alter credits and you share your changes under the same license. Theme music is Slow Burn by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0.